or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Please pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you for this day that you have made. And once again now in the hearing of your word, help us to hear your word. And in that word, help us to find ourselves. Give us the strength and the courage to obey your word. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. This is the last sermon uh, in the narrative lectionary, which we began back in September. Beginning next week until the end of August, uh, I'll be taking a break from preaching, and you will hear from about a dozen different preachers. I think it'll be a great opportunity for all of us all of you, um, to hear the gospel from a variety of different perspectives. In fact, uh, I was sharing the other day with um, Larry, and I was telling him about the, the process of preparing uh, and preaching sermons, and I likened it to him, uh, to that of uh, a mother, I guess it could be a father, but to a mother, uh, preparing meals uh, for their family, that I sort of thought of myself as prepare, preparing uh, weekly meals uh, to be consumed by the family. And, uh, and I said that, you know, the kind of meals that your mom or that I prepare um, are nothing to really write home about, right? I mean, they're, hopefully they're relatively nutritious. Um, they get you through the day. It's not like a Michelin star meal that you're gonna take a picture of and post and, and, and let everybody else know. Um, you know. But hopefully occasionally you have a meal, maybe a, a favorite dish that you have and, and that you like it or something like that. Um, and what Larry said, you know, Pastor Dave, I don't really like my mom's cooking. I thought, okay. And then he just dropped the metaphor all together and he said, you know, some of the best preaching I've heard at our church has been from guest preachers. Honesty is good, you know? No, and I seriously, I, I totally agree. I totally agree, right? Like, the meals that you remember probably are not the kind of meals you eat every day, right? It might be a, a special meal. You go out to a restaurant on a special occasion, so I'm, I'm all for that. And so um, those special meals should be special, so I, I hope you're looking forward to that. I also know that for some of you, uh, despite having been lifelong Presbyterians, you still don't care that much about preaching or teaching in the church. 
that other aspects of our life together is more important to you. You're not a foodie, right? So you don't really care what's on the menu, how good or bad the meal might be. Now, as a big foodie myself, a lifelong foodie, I don't really understand that. I think it's so important what is being served. But I hope that you too uh, will get to enjoy some special meals and be blessed during this summer. Now, you might recall that we began the narrative lectionary back in September with the story of Noah and we've been tracing the story of God's faithfulness uh, to Noah, then to Abraham, to Joseph, to the Israelites, and then we culminated uh, and, and, through, uh, and we began to study the, the story in the Gospel of Matthew, the life, the ministry, uh, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And then in this past month, we've been seeing how the early church then understood the meaning of that death and resurrection, uh, especially in the letter that Paul has written to the church in Rome. And so again, to review, in the first seven chapters to the Romans, the Apostle Paul lays out this very bleak history of humanity, this really incredibly broken uh, history of humanity, uh, of which, again, we were given another stark reminder in the latest mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas, which unfortunately followed a mass shooting uh, in Laguna Woods, California at the Taiwanese church, which followed the mass shooting at the grocery store in Buffalo. Um, you know, it's not that we as a humanity or human beings are completely or purely evil as some of these uh, shootings might indicate. Uh, and, and in fact, in, in the midst of these horrific uh, atrocities, we also hear about courageous and, and selfless acts of those who gave their lives uh, to protect and save others. You may have heard the stories of the fourth grade teachers, uh, Eva Morales and Irma Garcia, who reportedly died while trying to shield their students from gunfire. Uh, and also about Dr. Uh, John Chang, who, who, who rushed at the shooter uh, at, the, at the church and uh, even though he was unable to disarm uh, the shooter and died in the process, his actions slowed down the shooter long enough for others to disarm him and saved probably very many other, other lives. These courageous deaths, as well as the innocent lives of those who were murdered by senseless killers, force us once more to acknowledge our fundamental brokenness as a people and as a community. And every fiber of our being should cry out, this is not the way it should be. This is not the way it should be. It can't be. This is not the world that God intended for us. Paul Lawrence Dunbar is a name you probably are not familiar with, but it was an African-American poet, uh, one of the first to gain international recognition for his work. You might not know him, um, but you may know a line from one of his poems, which was used by Maya Angelou uh, as the title of her autobiography, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. And that's from a 
uh, his poem, Sympathy. It's a very short poem, uh, just three stanzas, and it concludes with this stanza. I know why the caged bird sings, ah me, when his wing is bruised and his bosom sore, when he beats his bars and he would be free. It is not a carol of joy or glee, but a prayer that he sends from his heart's deep core, but a plea that upward to heaven he flings. I know why the caged bird sings. The caged bird knows that this is not the way it's supposed to be, and he beats his wings against that cage for freedom, all the while lifting up songs as prayers. It is a song of longing, or as Paul writes, the groaning of creation, which he writes about a little earlier in this chapter. One of the creeds in our book of confessions, which we'll be studying during the summer uh, in our FGs, is known as a brief statement of faith. A brief statement of faith. It was written in 1983 on the occasion when the two largest Presbyterian bodies, North and South, came together, became reunited uh, to form what is today our denomination, the PC USA. And in it, we find this confession. In sovereign love, God created the world good and makes everyone equally in God's image, male and female, of every race and people, to live as one community. That's how it's supposed to be. That's how we were created. But then it goes on to make this further confession. But we rebel against God. We hide from the creator, ignoring God's commandments. We violate the image of God in ourselves, in others and ourselves, accept lies as truth, exploit neighbor and nature, and threaten death to the planet entrusted to our care. We deserve God's condemnation. We deserve God's condemnation. What the Bible calls sin has infected every aspect of our lives so that not only do we bear the, the personal responsibilities of our personal sins of selfishness and greed, but we are also responsible and complicit in our shared corporate sins manifest in systemic and institutional inequalities. We deserve God's condemnation. But the story does not end there. The creed goes on to say in the very next line, yet, yet, God acts with justice and mercy to redeem creation. Yet God acts with justice and mercy to redeem creation. This is the gospel. Yet God acts. The righteousness of God or the salvation of God, the love of God is revealed in the cross that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His death, our justification brings peace with God, brings access to the throne of grace by which we stand. We have a share in the glory of God. We can even rejoice in the midst of our sufferings because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We deserve God's condemnation, 
But Paul concludes now his entire argument from the beginning of chapter 1 all the way to chapter 8 by saying, verse 1 of chapter 8, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He's made this long argument and he concludes, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One of my uh, favorite teachers used to say that whenever you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. And here Paul is saying, everything I have said thus far, up to now, therefore, this is now the conclusion. Therefore, because of all this, because of yet what God has done, because of how God has acted in justice and in mercy to redeem creation, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's like a, Paul here is uh, like, like a lawyer making his closing arguments based on all the evidence that I've presented thus far. Therefore, you can have no other conclusion than that there is no condemnation. That's the good news. And then Paul piles on his conclusion with a series of rhetorical questions. If God is for us, who can be against us? Answer? No one. God who did not spare his only son, he gave him up for us. Will he not also graciously then give us all things? Answer? Yes, of course. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Answer? No one. Who is to condemn? Answer. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No one. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, dangers, the sword? Is there anyone or anything that can possibly separate us from the love of God? And Paul says, no, absolutely not. Shall your sins, your doubts, the devil, separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Shall the pandemic, racism, war, separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Shall addiction, loneliness, or depression separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Shall anxieties, worries, anger, that threaten to overwhelm you at times, separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Shall your support of QAnon or CRT or your membership in the NRA or NPR, shall any of this separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? No, no, and no. So many things separate us from one another. So many trivial things, as well as important things. But whatever you can think about right now that you think can separate you from God, Paul says, no. No. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul says, I am sure, I am confident, I am persuaded, I am convinced that nothing, 
not just the dangers of this world, but nothing in all of creation, nothing in all of the cosmos, nothing, past, present, future, absolutely nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is no condemnation and therefore no separation. You know, Paul knows better than anybody else from his experiences, these potential separators of him from God. He was one who stood by while Stephen was being murdered. He was one who was persecuted. He was one who faced tribulations and famines, stonings and weakness. Yet in the midst of all of this, he writes, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. No matter what the situation, you are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You might recall from last Sunday that Paul said that there is, that we are no longer under sin, right? That we are no longer under the authority of sin. And that we have to know this truth that we, we may not feel like we are no longer under sin because, but because the, the pull of sin is so strong, right? Uh, Luther said it's like um, uh, the old nature of sin has been drowned, but the old Adam is a good swimmer, right? So we, we may not feel like we're no longer under sin, but that's the truth. That's the reality. That, that's the story that you have to tell yourself and rewrite all the false narratives that's going on in your head. You are no longer under sin, Paul wrote. And here he's saying the same thing. Same thing. You have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You have been justified. You have been redeemed. You have been atoned for. Nothing is going to be reckoned or counted against you anymore. As those who abide in Christ, you can have confidence in your daily living and in the work that God has called you to because you have the access to the throne of grace. So there's no reason, no reason at all to walk around defeated or discouraged. Evil and suffering and misfortune, they are real, but they are not evidence that God is against you or has abandoned you. Evil is real, but they don't get the last word. The Apostle Paul suffered more than most of us are likely to, and he often found himself heavily criticized, slandered, and attacked. But he did not let the accusation of others take root in his life because his self-understanding and his hope was in the God who loved him and died for him. He knew that truth, and that truth set him free. He does not deny the reality of our broken world. He even says that all of creation is groaning because of this. He writes in 2 Corinthians 4, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, 
perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Life was incredibly, incredibly difficult, but he did not lose hope or faith in the one who loved him. Because he abided in Christ, he is able to say, he's able to sing even while in prison and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this is not just having the right attitude. It's not mere optimism. It's knowing the truth of what has happened in history and that's what gives him this confidence to say and to proclaim this gospel message once more. He knows that he is more than a conqueror, not because he feels good about himself, not because he has a, a cheerful attitude or by nature is an optimistic person, certainly not because life is going so well for him, but he says that he's more than a conqueror because of this knowledge, this historical fact rooted in the act of God who acts in justice and mercy on the cross. I know that we hear this so often and you hear this uh, most weeks from me. And so it doesn't surprise or shock or um, we get too used to this idea, I think. And yet it should, it must. I know that I've repeated this so many, many times, but it must be said again and again because it is so hard to believe, right? The gospel is so hard to believe. Paul says, God did not spare his own son. Can you, can you imagine a scenario in your life where you would be willing to sacrifice your child. I can't. I would do everything in my power. I would steal, beg. I would do everything, including sacrificing myself before I would take that step. And yet Paul says, God, I mean, it's, the eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing God could not find a different solution. It means that there was absolutely no other choice, no other possibility than the cross. Certainly, with all of God's power, with all of God's wisdom, Surely God could have found a different way to avoid the death of his one and only beloved son on the cross. But he couldn't. And Jesus himself asked in the Garden of Gethsemane that if it were at all possible, that God would find another way. You know, for all my far too many years of theological education, for all the years I've been studying and preaching, I'm sorry to say that I cannot explain or to really understand this basic idea 
that this had to be this way. But what I can at least begin to do is to at least appreciate the enormity of the sacrifice. God did not spare his son. And so his conclusion here is the same that he made back in Romans chapter 5. If God did the most difficult, most unimaginable thing, then don't you think everything else will also be given to you? All these lesser things. If God did the impossible, don't you think that God will also be able to freely then give you all that is possible? Christ died for us while we were sinners. How much more then, now that we've been reconciled and called the children of God? He writes in 2 Corinthians 9, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You have everything you need to abound in every good work because you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Remember what Jesus said in John 10. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them freely eternal life and they will never perish. They will never be separated from me. No one will snatch them from out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them from the father's hand. No one will snatch you from the hand of the Father. Nothing will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If I'm not going to preach for a while, this is really a great text to leave you with. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Would you say that with me? Nothing will separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Say it again. Nothing will separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Again, nothing will separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Again, nothing will separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Let your mind, loop that thought in your brains. Believe the good news and be at peace. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this reminder which we need to hear again and again because it is so hard to believe. Help us to know in the core of our being that in the midst of all this brokenness and all that strikes against us, God, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that nothing shall separate us from your love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Help us to know and to believe 
We ask in the name of Christ. Amen.